Welcome to this week's edition of the NinersNation.com Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week it is your first playoff preview of the Roaring Twenties. And it's our first 49ers playoff show in six years. And with me this week to give his message to the fans that have stuck with us through thick and thin, it's David Newman. Where's the thick for what? us? For the Patriots, it's the opposite. Where Where's the thin? But oh, man. Uh, I'm ready for some thick. Yeah. Uh, well, thick with two C's, my friend, uh, <laughs> is, is the kind of... Uh, <laughs> the kind of place you like to land. I'm going to come off this topic really quickly. Um, it's been years since we've had a playoff show. And here we are. Divisional playoff game. Things that matter. One and done. It's going to be fun. It's hard to believe that it's been six years. That feels like a really long time. Uh, it has been a long time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, where? Let's see. We have endured Chip Kelly. We've endured, we've endured Tom Sula farting at press conferences. We've endured <laughs> uh, Trent Balky and snakes and leaks and all of the things. Uh, we've endured Jed York with the we don't hang divisional banners, we don't hang championship banners, we only hang Super Bowl banners, and everyone was like, hang yourself, dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do got to say it's great not having to uh, to worry about like a head coach search. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. We we for like a while multiple years in a row. Now, for a while we got great. really good at it. Really, yeah. really good at it. We had a system down. <laughs> but here we are, man. It's and Browns it, fans. If you're listening, hit us up. We got something for you. Yeah, we we've got a process. Trust me, we've got a study on what coaches you shouldn't hire. Uh, we could have we could have knocked you off that Freddie Kitchens train. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, that's yeah. all I'm saying. Uh, but here, so the the Niners, of course, are going to face the Minnesota Vikings. They had the upset of the New Orleans Saints. And this was basically the team that no one thought the Niners were going to face. Everyone was like, Philadelphia? Okay. Uh, And maybe Seattle again. I thought we were going to face Seattle again. Yep. Uh, But in no uncertain terms that I think that the Vikings were going to be the team that made it through. And yet here we are. Yeah, it was definitely like the the scenario that if you would have asked going into it, like this is the team that I think we're least likely to face. Right. Like, absolutely. And not because necessarily they're the sixth seed. Like, I don't really think I don't think they were the worst team in the the playoffs. Right. The NFC is so loaded. Um, I think it was clearly the Eagles that were, that were the worst team um, just happened to be in the worst division and get that four seed. But um, I, I think, yeah, it's just kind of unusual. I was really preparing for uh, that Seahawks round three. You know, as it seemed like the the most likely course of action. And and for me, this was the game that, that I really wanted, all things considered. I, I didn't think the Eagles were going to get in. I just didn't. I knew they were probably going to lose to Seattle. That's exactly what happened. And that yeah. meant that we were going to get Seattle. I didn't want to face them again so quickly. So I thought, you know what? Vikings are probably the, the best bet here. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, you want Seattle to go through another team if you're going to face them again. You want, you've got the sixth seed here in the Minnesota Vikings, and you've got Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Cousins, who can't really win a super big game. He's a very safe quarterback. He's not going to threaten you. Uh, that defense has some banged up corners. I'm thinking to myself, Okay, this is the game that you want. This is going to set up the Niners to go into that championship round. I mean, we said it on on the show. I think uh, after the the Seahawks recap, we were like, "Yeah, like the easiest path is going to be first Vikings, then Packers, then." Super I don't Bowl. even think we considered the Vikings in that, did we? Um, I think maybe we did. I think we were trying to go. Oh yeah, because we said the toughest was going to be Seattle, then New Orleans. Yeah. Um, but I thought Philadelphia would have been like, I don't even remember entertaining the idea of playing the Vikings when we were going through before, because it just seemed like, cause we were talking about the toughest road, yeah. right. And including new Orleans, I don't think either of us really thought gave much thought to like new Orleans, not winning that game. Right. Yeah. We just kind of thought that like, they were the biggest challenger yep. in the NFC. 
And we just kind of expected them to be there and at least get on to play the Packers in the next round, right? Yeah. And so then you're really just looking at, okay, who's going to win out of that that Philly-Seattle um, game? And so I think that those were kind of the teams that at least I was most focused on. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I don't even remember thinking what it would be like if we played the Vikings going into last weekend. Well, we didn't pay much attention to them, as you can tell here. Yeah. Um, and, and so what did we do? Well, I, I, I had a tweet that got a lot of likes and a lot of retweets uh, about, you know, saying basically that, right? You've got Kirk Cousins, who may be the worst quarterback left in the playoffs, although I think that probably still goes to Ryan Tannehill, despite the fact that he's playing out of his mind. Yep. And and so now, OK, so now you crack open the film, we get in the lab and I, while I came into this week thinking, OK, this is the game that you want. These are the Vikings. They're an eminently beatable team. I left this week's show prep thinking basically, oh, fuck. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I don't know that this is going to go how I thought it was going to go. Right. I think so. I, I don't think that I quite left with oh, fuck. Uh, but I definitely felt uh, a bit more worried than I was going into it. Right. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think I texted you as soon as that game was over the um, the New Orleans um, Vikings game. I was like, wow, road to, road to the Super Bowl just got easier. Yeah. It was like my initial gut reaction. Um, but I think, yeah, when you kind of start digging down into it and looking at more of the specific components to this game and this matchup, I think these teams are a lot more evenly matched overall, and I think they match up really well with each other. So my first instinct was to go back to that 2018 game, and very quickly I thought, okay, there's not a lot you can take away from this game. There were a couple of things, but just as a recap, in case you've forgotten, you got Brock Coyle starting at linebacker, number one. I did try to forget that. You've got Adrian Colbert at safety, uh, who is now in Miami doing you know Adrian Colbert things. John DeFilippo was the offensive coordinator for the Vikings. The defensive coverage structure for the Vikings has changed. They used to be a single high, more man coverage team back then. They're, they're going to be a little bit different now, and we'll talk a bit about that here in a little bit. Uh, and Riley Reef is the only returning starter from that offensive line for the Vikings. Uh, and, and DeForest Buckner still abused him. So, you know, there were a couple of things schematically, I think, that you can take away, but there's not a ton from that 2018 game that you think to yourself, okay, let's go back and watch that film, and we can take some key things away. Right. And I, I, I think the 49ers are also significantly different, right? Like, I, even though, um, you know, defensively, they've got a lot of the same young players that were there in that matchup. They've obviously added some big pieces and guys like Bosa and Ford and um, and then have just kind of seen some improvement with the guys that were there. Right. So, you know, Sherman playing a lot better this year on and on down the line um, defensively. And then I think offensively, you're in a much, much better position now. Right. You go back and look at it, kind of what the skill position players were like uh, early on that season. And it just I don't even think really compares to the level that they're at right now. I mean, Kittle obviously um, was still a good player then, but I think now like is clearly just established himself as this all world type talent. Um, And then you've got all the complementary pieces around him and guys like Debo and Sanders, all of the running backs that they've got. Um, and, And so I think the offense is just in a much better position than it was in that first game or that last game. So how we'll structure the discussion over the the preview for this game is really talking about how these specific matchups and what the Niners do well and what the Vikings do well kind of really are are at odds because there are, you know, I do think there's, you know, the old adage in boxing is like matchups make fights, right? And sometimes a team may not be as overall as talented as another team, but they do one or a couple of things incredibly well such that it gives them a really unique advantage against that particular team. And, and unfortunately, I think that's that's what we're going to face here with the Vikings, because if we start with the first strength on strength, it's going to be in the passing game. 
what do the 49ers do really well in the past game? How are they attacking defenses? Well, they attack the middle of the field. On throws targeted between the numbers and less than 20 yards downfield, the 49ers had the second best EPA, expected points added per play, and the second best rate, uh, basically percent of plays generating a positive EPA. So that's where they live, middle of the field. This is Jimmy Garoppolo's bread and butter. We've known it since he became a 49er, really, in that 2017 season. And so you think to yourself, all right, that's where the Niners are going to attack. Well, now flip it over to Minnesota. And it turns out they're pretty good at defending that stuff, right? So that's kind of been the the thing when you look at um, one thing. Okay, what do the 49ers do? Well, this is kind of what we expect them to do based on, you know, all of the evidence that we have with Shanahan there. We, we know that they're going to largely stick with what they feel like they do well, right? And so they're they're going to you know, they're going to work the middle of the field in the passing game. And so that's kind of the first place we look when we're going to uh, take a look at the Vikings defense. Like, OK, how well do they hold up against these type of throws? And it's pretty good. Um, so when you look at just kind of their their team coverage grade on those same type of throws. So, again, that's between the numbers, but less than 20 yards downfield. So really that short, intermediate middle of the field area third best coverage grade on those type of throws. Um, they have the best team coverage grade when the tight end is the targeted receiver. And, and that's by like a wide, wide margin. So you have like a grade over 90 for them uh, when tight ends are targeted. The next closest team is actually the 49ers, but they're all the way down at 76. So it's like a, a massive gap. There. And, and for context, the 90 point is out of 100. So 90.5 yeah. puts you in that elite category and 76 is still very, very good. Um, but it's not going to be quite to that shutting play, shutting players down. Right. Um, and, and you could, I think there's an argument to be said that Minnesota hasn't really faced a ton of really dangerous tight ends. I think they face maybe sure. Waller and, uh, and Ertz and, and that's about mostly it. Maybe I'd have to look to, to remind myself, but yeah, I'd have to go through their schedule to really, yeah. really remind myself. But yeah, I think it, it makes sense though. When, you know, even when you're kind of, okay, those are the numbers of it. But when you start looking at what they do defensively and more importantly, I think who their personnel is in, in this case, their best coverage players are guys that live in the middle of the field, right? So they have maybe two of the best coverage safeties in the entire NFL this year. So Anthony Harris and, and Harrison Smith, whose names are like a, like a human centipede. Yeah. It's, it's really, like, it's really confusing. It's I, just like Anthony Harris, Harrison Smith. I'm not going to lie. I'm really impressed that I got it correct right there on the first try and that we didn't have to do that. So yeah, pat myself on the back for that one. Uh, but they've been fantastic this year. So they have the two highest coverage grades for us at PFF um, among all safeties this season. And then Eric Kendricks, uh, you know, linebacker has also been very good. Their top five coverage grade among linebackers. And so that's their best coverage players are all those guys that live in the middle of the field. And so it makes sense that, okay, those are the type of throws that they would be best at defending. And so when you look at how they do it, they, they do it really out of more coverage, diverse type of looks. They're not going to be a lineup and a single type of coverage and just do it over and over and over again. Like I think a lot of people think the 49ers kind of play that Seattle cover three, which is not right. how they actually play it at all. But Minnesota has actually shifted the last year and has moved away from more of a single high look to more of actually a split safety look. And, and I think that has to do in large part with Mike Zimmer trying to protect his corners because his corners have not played really well this year. And you've got Xavier Rhodes, who's basically fallen off a cliff. That's the guy you want to throw to. Uh, and, and on the other side, you've got, well, their, their nickel, first of all, um, is not even playing. He decided <laughs> to get his knee scoped. And so you've got uh, Sendejo, don't call me Pendejo, in the slot. And, and he is not a corner. He's actually a safety. Trying Accurate. to play corner. 
That is that is correct. Yeah, and and then on the other side you've got Trey Waynes, uh, who is uh, not terrible, but not great, not as good as as Harrison or Harris. Exactly. Yeah, he hasn't been you know necessarily like Xavier Rhodes level bad, but he hasn't been good, right? Yeah. He still has uh, definitely his share of problems, and so I think yeah, outside um, is definitely where they have been prone to getting beat. And um, you look at a lot of the big plays that they've given up, and it tends to be breakdowns usually involving one of those two players, right? Even if maybe they're not at fault, it still seems to be like a miscommunication involving them and another player not being on the same page, right? Yeah. So they tend to be heavily involved in giving up those big plays. And when you look at, yeah, the two high coverage stuff, I mean, a lot of those, especially quarters, right, um, is going to put a little bit more on your safeties, which when you have great safeties, like that's what it's going to do. Those you know, if you think about comparing it to a single high type setup, right, where you you have this one free safety that's just way back there behind everybody. And yeah, if he's Earl Thomas, sure, he can affect a lot of throws. But a lot of times you can kind of just throw away from that guy, right? He's back there. He's he's the center fielder. He's keeping everything in front of him. Um, but as an offense, you can largely avoid that guy if you want to. When you br- start playing like more quarters looks, you know, cover six where your quarters on one side, two on the other side. Um, you're getting those safeties down in the mix a little bit more and and they're taking on more primary coverage responsibilities. So if you think like a normal quarter safety, he's lined up over the number two receiver on his side and he's going to take that if if, it it basically man him up. Yeah, if he takes any sort of vertical release, like he's going to usually pick him up. And so you get those guys involved more as primary coverage defenders. And that's something that makes a lot of sense when you have good, talented versatile safeties like the Vikings have and the Vikings do something that the Niners now have started to do a lot this year which is they can really when you have and start your look with two safeties deep you can rotate you can shift into a single high you've got cover six you've got cover four it's a very flexible way to present your coverage looks before the snap and that's what a safety is doing when he gets to or that's what a quarterback is doing when he gets to the line, he's really looking at the safeties. Is it open? Is it closed? And that can really begin to tell him where that defensive structure is going to be. And then the other point of that, too, that you mentioned, you know, when you get to two. So they actually play uh, a really high percentage among you know the rest of the league compared to the rest of the league of just straight cover two. And that gets back into the let's protect our corners a little bit. right? Yeah. So we, we rather get these safeties deep over the top of things outside. And, and kind of have those corners not have to really carry that stuff vertically and, and give them some protection. And so it makes their job a little bit easier. So, yeah, I think it's it's just finding ways to get their safeties more involved and in, in being kind of the guys that are primarily responsible for stopping that pass attack. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo has not been incredibly successful when facing two high coverages. His 59.5 grade versus open coverages puts him 25th in the league. He's much better when he's got to face single high coverages. And, and that makes sense. Usually with a single high coverage, one of the benefits is that you can actually bring an extra safety down into the box. If you're getting run on, if a team's running down your throat, that's how you react. Or maybe that's, if you're Pete Carroll, how you prefer to run your defense. You try to stop the run first and then just don't get beat deep. And and when Jimmy Garoppolo faces those split high coverages, uh, those middle, those open field coverages, he's not going to do super duper well. So you've got a, an, an offense now that loves to attack the middle of the field a quarterback that's much more successful when he's throwing to the middle of the field. And he's actually top 10 in terms of quarterback grade when he's throwing to the middle of the field. And and then you've got a a deficiency on defense for the Minnesota Vikings on the perimeter, but that's not really a place that the Niners attack. And so now you're talking about strength going up against strength. And I'm not sure entirely who's going to win that battle. 
Yeah, and and it's this is a weakness that you would like to see them take advantage of. I mean, we we talk about Shanahan all the time being you know a great designer of offense and and putting guys in position to to be successful. But a lot of that still comes down to like we're we're gonna find ways to do that within what we do, right? We still we're we're gonna work the middle of the field. That's just what we do. We're gonna put stress on those linebackers and safeties and and make those guys. Uh, be the ones that are covering more and 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 have the stress on them as opposed to going outside where most teams are you know usually going to be stronger your corners are usually going to be better cover players than your linebackers inside and so that's what they want to do I mean this is a game where I feel like you really have to not necessarily go to the extreme of like we're breaking away from what what we do well and what got us here um, you don't want to do that by any stretch but you got to take some shots at those corners, right? You got to mix in a few of those um, type of plays into what you're normally doing. Because if you don't, if you're not sending some targets like Xavier Rhodes way, and you're not trying to take some shots on him deep and, and not trying to get Emmanuel Sanders behind him or, or even, you know, Debo can obviously stretch the field there as well. Like you're just kind of missing out on, and I think that would be a, a, an unusual thing for Shanahan to do to not try to take advantage of that. I agree. This is where this is a game I think is actually going to be pretty big for Emmanuel Sanders and for Debo Samuel. I think one of the ways to attack a cover two defense or, or a split safety look, not so much with cover four, but really with cover two is with a route that Shanahan loves to run. And that's going to be that drift route or that basic route, which is basically a dig yeah. uh, where you, you, you have got an in breaking route and usually Debo runs this, but uh, we've seen Emmanuel Sanders run it too. I think they're going to try to hit that route over and over. I think rather than necessarily trying to go to the sidelines, they'll try to hit the spot, the soft spots in the zone. Um, I don't yeah. know that the crossing routes are going to be as effective because I think that they'll be able to carry those fairly well, especially if they're in cover four. So I think that's probably how they'll do it. They'll attack the the holes in the zones in their way. And, and that's, I think, what you're probably going to get from them. So I think that especially now with the specter of George Kittle, I think that should perhaps open up some things around the field uh, for the 49ers wide receivers. And, and this is why getting Emmanuel Sanders in that trade, I think, is going to be incredibly valuable in this game. Right. I think that's, you know, for me, kind of what it comes down to is, is these guys. So when you have this kind of strength on strength type matchup, it really falls down to the players, right? Who's going to win those individual battles? Because even though Minnesota is going to play a lot of the two high stuff, they do match a lot. So especially within their quarters package, um, you can expect guys to get tighter to routes, right? So it's not going to be necessarily dropping the spots a, a ton. You know, they're going to do some of that definitely in the cover two um, packages that they have, but you're you're going to have guys around, right? So it's less going to be, I think, um, a lot of, you know, guys just kind of running free between zones because if you if you try to do that, Shanahan's going to eat you. He's going to tear you apart, right? This yeah. offense will destroy And so will you. Jimmy. Yeah, it, it's just a bad bad idea to do against this offense. So I think you really do get more of that. And then the other thing that they do mix in with that two high stuff, when they go single high, a lot of times it's cover one, you know, they, they do like to kind of get into man coverage uh, at times. And and again, that's where matchups are going to be a big deal. So it's yes, like there, you, you kind of know what the four are going to do. You know, this is what the, the Vikings are going to do. And so can guys like Sanders and Debo win the individual matchups because that's really what it's going to come down to if they're going to have success in the passing game. And probably the biggest thing that I'm worried about when I'm looking at the Niners offense versus the Vikings defense is really the fact that that Vikings front can get pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo this year hasn't done super well under pressure. 
The quarterback's performance under pressure is one of the least stable things year to year. In 2017, he was actually incredible under pressure. He was one of the best quarterbacks under pressure, but that's not always stable year to year. And so this year, he's having a bit of a downturn. And the Vikings have a couple of talented edge rushers that they deployed very, very well against the New Orleans Saints. They held uh, Drew Brees to something like 233 yards on the game, which is ridiculous because that offense is incredibly potent. And and they made, they basically created a quarterback controversy uh, with Taysom Hill. I mean, the tight <laughs> yeah, Taysom end. Hill comes in for one throw. That was like the biggest play that they gave up all yeah. day. The one that Taysom Hill comes in there and yeah. throws it deep. And, and so you've got these two edge rushers and Daniil Hunter um, and uh, oh god, Everson Griffin. There you go, Everson Griffin. Um, and, and basically, on obvious passing downs, they move them inside. And guess where the 49ers' weakest spot is currently. Well, the interior of the line, because I'm not yeah. super worried about Staley. I'm not super worried about McGlinchey, but you've got Garland, Tomlinson, and Person or um, Brunskill. And and really, I mean, Person or Brunskill, you, you can mix and match them. They're, they're going to, if you've got a really, really talented interior defender, they're going to have some problems. For sure. Yeah, I, I think the one thing that, that makes me feel a little bit better, you know, about that particular problem is that this has kind of been an issue for the Niners for most of the year. And they, they are just going to, I mean, they don't take a lot of shots deep, right? They don't hold on. Jimmy doesn't hold on the ball very long. So when you look at like time to throw average depth of target, like both of those are really low for this offense. So I think, yes, it obviously can still have an impact there, especially if they're getting some of those quick wins. And I, and I would expect there to be a few plays where that's the case. Right. But I think it is a, it is a, a place where, Shanahan and the 49ers offensively with what they do can kind of scheme around that a little bit, right? They can get the ball out quick. They can get Jimmy on the move on some of the bootleg stuff and do some things that kind of neutralize a little bit and not give, um, you know, those guys a lot of chances to just go one-on-one and kind of tee off against the interior. I think where it becomes a problem, right? Where you really start to worry about it is if they get down, right? If suddenly you have to abandon that play action stuff, you have to get into where I'm just taking five and seven step drops. And and that's kind of where I'm living as a pass offense right now. Well, then suddenly I'm in protections. You know, I'm, I want to get all five guys out on the route because we got to get them out there. You know, we got to have options to, for Jimmy to throw to. And then that's where I think you start to see trouble there. Yeah. In 1,058 snaps in the regular season, all pro right tackle Ryan Ramchek didn't allow a single sack. In 49 snaps against Neil Hunter, he allowed two. Neil Hunter's good at football. That dude he, he had is, a, a very good game in this uh, this wild card. Yeah, game. ridiculous game. Yeah. You know, I think the the other thing I'll look for the Niners to do is really move George Kittle around to match him up against one of the linebackers, especially Anthony Barr, because Anthony Barr I don't think is very good in coverage, and that's one of the things from that 2018 game I think that that Shanahan will reemploy is moving him around and getting him in advantageous matchups and letting him win those one-on-ones. And Jimmy Garoppolo will find him, especially if they start matching someone like Barr on George Kittle. So I do think that like, okay, you know, we, we gave you all of the, the doom and gloom, but ultimately I think the 49ers offense is, it, it is strength against strength. It's not strength right. against weakness, right? Exactly. It, it's going to be something the Niners can do very, very well. And, you know, I think George Kittle is going to win some matchups against the tight end. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to find some holes in zones and it's going to be who ends up, you know, kind of getting either better personnel, better uh, choices and plays called or doesn't make a mistake. Yeah, I mean, talking about, you know, the winning the individual matchups and, and really referencing the the wide receivers. But that's because it's largely assumed that George Kittle is going to win some. Right. Yeah. Like you you can kind of expect that, like 
even against safeties, you know, I would I would really expect him to see a lot of Harrison Smith in this game. I, I think that's going to be the guy if I were the Vikings that that I would you know really like to get him on Kittle as much as possible. I think that's kind of their best shot. But he can as good as Smith is like Kittle can still win though. Like there's not a player yeah. in the league right that you really are like he can shut Kittle down at yeah. this point. So yeah, they're they're going to win some. It's just going to be a case where like. It, it it would be very surprising. I think it would really speak to like Shanahan coming up with some sort of brilliant plan if they just roll offensively in this game. I think there's yeah. going to be some struggles here and there, and that's because you're going up against a good opponent who does some things well that um, you know kind of go right against what you 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 do well. I think this is one of those instances where having Sandejo in as basically the nickel kind of helps the Vikings because the Niners aren't going to trot out a ton of three wide. And so you'll have Sandejo in there as another safety to to play either against Kittle or to actually be the safety if you've got Harrison Smith following Kittle around. So um, and Sandejo, he, he did. I think I, I'm not sure if he wasn't resigned or if he was cut or what, but he had part of his season somewhere else. And then he came back to the Vikings and, and he's back into it. So he knows the system very well uh, and he's been good in the past. So, you know, I think it's definitely going to be strength on strength. This is not going to be a cakewalk for the 49ers offense. And and even if you get to the people who are calling the plays, Mike Zimmer is a fantastic defensive line, one of the best in the game. He's also going to dial up some very interesting things uh, against the 49ers. And so that Zimmer Shanahan battle with head coaches calling plays on offense and defense is is there another there's not another game in the playoffs where you've got play callers going up against each other, is there? I don't know. Um, but even if there is, I mean, it, it this is as good of a matchup coaching wise. Yeah. yeah. When specifically looking at that side of the ball for an offense against Vikings defense. Um, yeah, it, it should be as good as like we'll see this playoffs. But there's also the other side of the ball and there's also Kirk Cousins. Uh, I still don't know if I'm saying Kurt or Kirk. Um, I'm I'll... just really leaning into the Kurt. <laughs> Kurt, Lo- Kurt, Kurt. Love Kurt. <laughs> uh, but before we talk about the Minnesota offense, let's take just a brief break to hear from our sponsors. So the 49ers offense versus the Vikings defense was strength on strength. The Vikings offense versus the Niners defense might be like the Spider-Man meme where it's like, you, you, (laughs) because this is an offense that looks and feels a lot like what that defense faces every day in practice, Uh, because you've got, of course, the roots of the offense, which are going to be the Kubiak really offense that where you've got Shannon was an offensive coordinator uh, for Kubiak for a while. And, and so the, they're going to share a lot of the same uh, basic tenets of the offense, the wide zone, the play action, and the heavy personnel, which is exactly how the Vikings choose to attack you. Yeah, so they're going to spend a lot of time um, in 12 personnel and 21 personnel. You know, that's really kind of where they live, a lot like the 49ers do. Um, they have the lowest rate of 11 personnel. So one back, one tight end, three wide receivers. They do that less than anyone else in the league by a significant margin. And when your third wide receiver is Laquan Treadwell, do you blame them? I didn't say it was a bad strategy in this case. Yeah. So his last name is probably more akin to like a Jason Bourne TV show than it is an actual football (laughs) player. (laughs) Hasn't worked out so well for them by by any means. But yeah, so you're going to see like from a broad strokes perspective, their offense is going to share a lot of similarities to what the 49ers do. Like you mentioned, it's, it's the heavy personnel 11 and 21 is going to be the dominant ones for them. They're going to do the wide zone. They're going to do the play action off the wide zone. Um, and it's just going to, there's a lot of things that they're going to do offensively that are going to look very similar to what we see from the 49ers every single week. All right. So let's talk about the most important player on that Vikings offense. And that is not Dalvin cook, but is indeed Kirk cousins. 
because Kirk Cousins has actually been pretty good when he can throw in rhythm or off play action. Kirk Cousins is a guy who's going to kill you within structure. When he's able to throw in rhythm and without having to move off of a spot, he has the highest passing grade of any regular starter. Only Ryan Tannehill and his Joe Flacco over the course of the end of the year uh, is higher. And when using play action, Kirk Cousins also has the highest passing grade of any regular starter with 12 big-time throws and three turnover-worthy plays. So when he's able to hit his back foot and make a throw and do it quickly or do it off play action, he can hurt you. Right. So, yeah, I think that's probably a good first place to start is like, what what do we mean by throwing within rhythm? And it's it's yeah, it's it's throwing within the design of the play offensively. Right. So he's able to get the, the back step in his drop there and he's either able to get it out to where, you know, kind of his first second look there where he's looking right when he hits that last that last step. Um, or he's able to move within the natural progression of the play, and he's not really especially bothered while he's doing so. He's not being pressured. You know, there's not tight coverage that's forcing him to hold the ball longer than he would like to. So just he's able to kind of drop back, go where he wants to go with the ball, and and let it out of there really before the defense is impacting him too much. So when when defenses are allowing him to do that, he's been among the best quarterbacks in football this season. And, and I think that's largely been kind of the case for most of his career, right? When he can do that, and and this is the stable stuff, right? This is why we can, you know, I think some people, the people that like Cousins and want to believe that he's going to be, you know, or can be like a franchise type guy that can lead you to Super Bowls is like... So the Vikings. The Vikings. Uh, this would be kind of one of the things that you would lean on, right? When you can give him a clean pocket to work from and keep him in rhythm, he's going to largely produce for you. But the problem is every other scenario, right? Essentially, once you kind of leave from that comfort zone there and you force him off the spot, you take him out of rhythm, um, you prevent him from using play action. So, you know, if they get down a little bit and they can't really go to that as much, those are the situations where he just kind of starts to fall apart because he's not a guy that can really improvise all that well. So once he kind of leaves the structure of that play, things start to break down. He gets pressured. He's got to move out of the pocket. Like, He's not really about trying to even make something happen after that. He's like, okay, I, I'm getting pressured. Let me get the ball out and I'll kind of throw it towards a guy. Like maybe I'm going to give him a shot. I'm going to put it in a kind of a safe location because that is one of the things he does really well is he, he doesn't really put the ball in harm's way all that much. Um, but he doesn't, you know, really give his guys a shot, right? So when you kind of take him out of that comfort zone, it's just a lot of dead plays, negative plays, you know, that that don't really do anything for your offense. Yeah. So you think of how, of course, that matches up against the 49ers and you think to yourself, well, getting D Ford back is going to be pretty huge because when the Niners have D Ford, it really, really unlocks their entire pressure package because the the you have to choose to block one and you're either sacrificing speed off the edge or Bosa is going to beat you on the other side. And, and you can't really slide your protection two ways because then you split it in the middle and all of a sudden you've got DeForest Buckner who's running basically untouched at your quarterback. And so having DeFord back, I think, is going to be huge in this game because that is how they will get Cousins off of his spot and force him into some of these things that just are not positive throws. You, you know, you look at you mentioned what what Cousins does when he basically is under duress and, and it is consistently just chucking it deep and trying to get either a pass interference call or something. Um, and it usually just misses the receiver because he's putting it in such a safe spot that it's just like nowhere. It's effectively a throwaway. Yeah. It's not counted or charted as a throwaway, 
but it effectively is. It's like a, just enough of a chance for that wide receiver that really isn't a chance. Right. He's just like trying to like in his mind, I'm sure he's like trying to put it up in, in a spot where it's like a his guy or nobody situation, right? Yeah. Is, is pretty much what he's thinking. So it's like, okay, I feel like I, I've exhausted my options on this play. I, I don't have the ability to really extend it and, and look for things to happen in that out of structure environment. So let me just kind of throw it up into an area and like, Maybe my guy makes a great play, which likes, hey, sometimes that's not a bad strategy when you got guys like Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen out. There, it happened right? once with Diggs where he was able to like turn around and, and like either he either got a PI call or he actually caught the ball. He was falling down. It was like, yeah, it was like a bad shoulder. like underthrow. Yeah. yeah. And he like, you know, Diggs scoops it up off the turf there and, and makes a really nice catch. So, you know, every once in a while, yeah, you get one of those guys that that makes a great play. And, and I'm sure that's kind of like what he's looking for. Right. It doesn't need to work every time necessarily, but. I keep the ball safe and and it's just kind of it's a very conservative style of play. Right. Yeah. And and I think that obviously has some limitations when you're forced into kind of that uncomfortable environment more often. I think that's something the 49ers defense should be able to do because so you look at how often Cousins was moved off of this spot or kind of taken out of rhythm like that. It was only really on about like 15 percent of his dropbacks, like 15, 16 percent. The 49ers force quarterbacks to move off their spot about 22, 23% of the time, right? So a, a much higher clip there. So, you know, in theory, you would expect them to be able to bother him a little bit more than he's used to. And that's when he does make mistakes. Like if he's going to make them, it's going to be because he's going to force a throw under pressure or something like that, right? He doesn't make too many mis like bad misreads no. usually. Like he's we like, only really saw one. That the Packers games yeah. were his worst games by a wide margin. Yeah, for sure. And and there was one in the Packers game where he just doesn't see the robber safety. It's it's just a cover three robber. And he does he just doesn't see flat out doesn't see it. Throws it right at the guy. Uh and it's dropped, so it doesn't count as a pick. But but it was it was not a good decision. Yeah, I think so. He had um, headed into the wild card. And I, I believe he had 12 turnover worthy plays is all over the course of the season. Eight of them came in the two Packers games. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, uh, you know, something about those games where he was just in it. And it wasn't really looked to be anything that the Packers were doing specifically, again, to force him into those situations. It was just him kind of deciding to take some chances into tight coverage for some reason, you know, with a lot of like throwing routes where the defender has the best leverage on the route. Right. So the defender has the best chance at making a play on the ball. Um, uncharacteristically made kind of a lot of those throws um, in there. And then I think the other area that he has historically struggled in is kind of the final pieces down in the red zone, right? A lot of his best throws are the deep play action shots. You know, when you're out in the middle of the field and have a lot of space to work with, um, he has kind of historically been pretty iffy and, and will be a little bit more prone to making some mistakes down in the red zone. So the red zone is an area where the Niners defense has an advantage. And, and much like the Vikings front can get after Jimmy Garoppolo, I think the Niners front can also get after Kirk Cousins uh, and cause him to, to crumble as well. Now, when you look at uh, Kevin Stefanski, the Vikings offensive coordinator, he is going to try to attack the edges of the 49ers defense. He had a quote from an article that I picked up, and, and I'll read it to you here. It says, quote, in terms of making yourself difficult to defend, you want to use all 53 and a third yards of the width of the field. So we always walk into that meeting room on Monday or Tuesday as you put the game plan together and you say, how can I get on the perimeter? Sometimes that's wide zone. Sometimes that's pin and pull. And sometimes that's toss. The other times it's with a jet sweep or it's around on a special, end quote. 
And, and you see a lot of that in the way that the Vikings like to run their offense. You see Dalvin Cook on wide zones. You see those pin and pull series. We see crack toss against the Saints. We're probably going to see a couple of crack tosses against the Niners because they've had trouble defending that all year. You're probably going to see a jet sweep uh, and probably a trick play. I think you're going to see a trick play from the Vikings because I think they're going to be playing with more of the high variance David strategies, David and Goliath, not David of the Newman variety. I mean, I think, yeah, I think we're going to see that from a lot of that from both offenses, right? Like, you know, Shannon's going to dial up some of those too. Yeah. And so I think you're going to, you're going to see a 49ers defense that's going to be tested laterally. And this is where the, when you do stretch them laterally, all of a sudden you've got to react to play action, which the Niners are very good at. They're very good at defending the play action pass. Um, But you're also going to have to have them defend some tight ends because while I think Thielen had an ankle injury in Tuesday's practice and Diggs has been ill for a couple of days, and so he'll probably get some fluids and be okay. They may be not at 100%, which would be fantastic. Not wishing injury on anyone, but if sure. they already are injured, hey, we'll take it. it. It would be, yeah, ideal for the 49ers Correct. if those two were not at 100%. Because, yeah, I think those are absolutely, um, you know, very obviously their top options in the passing yeah. game. Um, and, and so I think, yeah, that's where they want to be able to go. And those guys are both, uh, they, they kind of like, both do it all right. They, yeah. they both can kind of, you know, be, be involved in those deep shots. They're both great route runners and can, you know, obviously hurt you in the short intermediate area. So they're a tough combination to defend. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see if they're willing to, uh, go after Sherman at all. And, yeah. And whether they try to test him at all. Seattle doesn't Seattle basically yep. avoids Sherman, uh, at all costs. And I do think they will, because that's the one Sherman was playing that 2018 game and Diggs did get a couple of plays on him. Uh, And there was one actually where Kirk Cousins actually scrambled to the right and was able to find Diggs just on kind of like a scramble drill. So you've got them to worry about. And you've also got Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph to worry about as well. And Kyle Rudolph, of course, with the fade in the end zone, showed you that you have to worry about him in the red zone as well. So this is a game where I think the Niners getting some replenishment on the injury front is going to be incredibly helpful. Yeah. Do we know if if Quan Alexander for sure? I, is it just coach's decision? Is that all we've really that's, heard? That's what Shanahan said in the press conference. He said he's been medically cleared. And at this point, it's just how he practices and whether or not he's going to be OK. Look, I think he's playing. I think yeah. he's playing. And, and Jaquaski Tart doesn't even have the blue no contact jersey on anymore. And so he's a full go at this point. The Niners are going to have the healthiest defense they've had probably since like what week seven, week six. Yeah, I forget Which, when D Ford went out and then came back for like a game and then was out for like another four. Yeah, I mean having the pass rush at, at full strength is going to be big for all the reasons we talked about earlier with Cousins. Um, but yeah, I, I will I will say the one thing I'm interested to see is because I think the outside guys are going to get tested more. You know, I think I agree. that's an area that he's been. I was just kind of pulling it up as we were going through here. Uh, Kirk Cousins' highest graded p- passer on throws outside the numbers. So, so he's like the he's, inverse of Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, so he's going to, I mean, they're going to take, again, they 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 love the deep play action shots. That's where they're going to try to get chunk plays. But he does make a lot of throws outside the numbers. A lot of it, you know, um, not only coming on just the boot plays where you're going to see, you know, that's really the only time the 49ers really throw outside the numbers consistently is kind of off their boot stuff. And even then a lot of times it still ends up in the middle of the field. Yeah. Um, you'll get some, like some rail routes where you've got juice running up the sideline or a wheel route or something yeah. like that. And, and I think you'll probably see some of that too, because you, you can get some, some yardage in cover two or even some cover four schemes there. But yeah, so cousins is, is a lot more willing though, to go outside the numbers, obviously as two guys, he feels like can win out there. Um, but that's just a much larger part of their offense. And so I think we haven't always seen 
the corners, the outside corners for the 49ers get tested all that much with the exception of, you know, I think Witherspoon has obviously had some games where they're like with the Seattle one being, you know, kind of a big one where they're just like, we're not throwing at Sherman at all. So we're only going to throw to this other side. But um, otherwise, a lot of teams are, you know, are looking to get after the linebackers and kind of put more stress on them, um, which which makes sense given the structure of their defense. But yeah, I would expect Sherman to get some chances to actually make some plays in this game. And and then I think, you know, whoever they end up with on the other side, whether it's uh, Witherspoon or Mosley, like they're going to obviously see their their fair share of balls as well. Yeah. So with the Vikings coming out in such heavy personnel with either two tight ends or two running backs, I do think this is going to be a game where the Niners are going to be happy to have Quan Alexander back. I, I hope he doesn't re-injure his pectoral. I hope that the yeah. J.J. Watt experience is is good. I didn't know this, but apparently when you tear a pec, depending on where you tear it, one of the ways that you fix it is you basically like re-suture it or stick it to your breastplate with like, like basically like nubs, like imagine like buttons or something like that, that like connects your pectoral back to your body and allows it to heal. I'm like, I, I know, no, 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 (laughs) that is, yes, that is the only answer. I, I just bought ankle braces. Because I am tired of rolling my ankle and I'm like, should I hang him up? Should I, should I no longer play basketball? Because I rolled an ankle and it's like, you know what? It's a little floppy. It's a little floppy. Today and we're not professional athletes. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But hey, I, I feel Steph Curry's pain. <laughs> Sometimes, uh, yeah, just my shooting elbow gets a little tired. I, dude, I told you that I, I took the I took elements of Steph Curry's masterclass uh, and I tried to incorporate how he teaches you to shoot into my shooting motion. <laughs> oh, man, it was disastrous. It was oh, awful. Oh, God, I got to see this. Oh, man, I could not do it. I, I quickly reverted back to my uh, very ugly but moderately effective shot. <laughs> but I feel more comfortable and that's what matters. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, I'm not trying to put the work in. This is Friday morning rec league, man. Yeah, I'm not about that. Like, you know, getting up to the gym every morning, thousands of jumpers to, yeah. to work on this shot. No. Uh, ball is not life. Ball is definitely <laughs> not life at this point. Um, so uh, ultimately, I think that, that the return of Quan Alexander, though, is going to be huge because now you've got uh, Dre Greenlaw, who's played remarkably well so far this year. Um, I think he's definitely exceeded my expectations at linebacker. And, and now you've got Quan Alexander, who is going to play, but I wonder how many tackles he's going to miss because he's not going to have full use of his arm. Like he's, it's, it's you, the, the worry with the torn pectoral apparently is like pulling it off of those sutures, but which yeah is a problem, but you, you don't yet have full strength in the arm. And apparently he's also going to be wearing a brace just like JJ Watt did where it limits the mobility of his arm. So you take a person who's already bad at tackling and you remove one of his appendages that helps him tackle. And now you've got Dalvin Cook running at you full speed, uh, who is not going to slow down. And, and that, you know, I'm just saying it doesn't sound like a great idea. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe it's not a good idea that he goes out there. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think, um, regardless, like we're, we're going to see a lot of, I don't, we're not going to see a whole lot of, uh, Quan Williams, K1 Williams. You yeah. Know, he's not going to be out there a lot. We're going to see three linebackers, on the field probably more than we have in, in a lot of games recently, which hurts like taking him off the field. He's one of really your best defenders and, yeah. and not being able to lean on him and going to your third linebacker, whether that's, um, you know, Al share or whether that's a hurt Quan Alexander, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how well that part matches up. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's certainly not ideal, but that's, you know, we, again, we know that they're going to stick with those heavy personnel groupings. And then we're going to see a lot of that from, from the 49ers defense. 
But like all, we've, we've just spent, you know, roughly, I don't know, the better part of 35 minutes or so telling you all of the, the reasons that we think things could go poorly for the 49ers. And that's just because they're facing a really good Vikings team that matches up really well against the 49ers. But despite all of that, I still think the Niners are going to win this game. So, David Newman, do you feel the same? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's the reason we spent all of that time, you know, talking about why this should essentially be a closer game than you would expect is because I think you largely ex- would have expected this to not be a very good game, right? One seed, six seed, like, uh, are they going to be able to do two road upsets in a row against the two best teams in the NFC? Like, there's a lot of things that you can just like very easily look at this game and and your immediate reaction is like the 49ers are going to blow them out, right? And I, so I think if that's your starting point, as it kind of, I think, was in a gut reaction sense for us, um, it was really just more about saying like, hey, it, it's going to probably be closer than you think. And, and this, these are two more evenly matched teams than you think. And Vegas um, agrees. I mean, Vegas has the Niners originally by six and a half, and that's yep. actually moved to seven. So if you're, look, we do not give betting advice on this show. No. Um, we certainly don't. I already lose my shit enough as it is. I don't need to add money <laughs> to the outcome of the game. Yeah, certainly not. Um, game. But, but if I were a betting man, I might take the, the points on the Vikings just because I do think the Niners will win, but I do think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be a hard-fought game. And, and I don't know if, the, I think the over-under on this game is like 44 or 45 or something like that. Um, and, and I do think it's going to be a really rough, tough game that the Niners will win in part because I think they are more talented on offense. They have, uh, you know, an offense that generally your, your offense is going to predict your success and it's more stable game to game. And I do think that the Niners, especially lately, have been successful and they do have the kryptonite against Kirk Cousins, which is that pass rush. So I think those two things, when you combine them, ultimately end up in, in a close 49ers victory. But man, it's going to be a sweaty game. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that the 49ers are still the better team and, and that this is a game at home that they should win. I think the thing that out of all the stuff we talked about that probably worries me the most is hoping that we don't get a couple just disastrous Jimmy Garoppolo throws. Like, I, I think if, if you get some bad turnovers for him that creates some short fields or some easy points for the Vikings offense, um, that's the thing that really can tip things in their favor, which yeah. again, you can say about just about any game, right? You get a couple turnovers, get some short fields. Like that's a recipe for upset in, in every single game, right? Where, where there's kind of that discrepancy. Um, but I think just with Garoppolo specifically has been, had some issues this year, like having some really bad turnovers and, and kind of having some bad misreads of coverage. And then you're going against a team that's really strong in the middle of the field that can disguise things and, and kind of show him some different looks and not really is going, he's not going to get the same picture every time he drops back, right? He's going to see some different things. And so it, it does seem like there is a recipe there for potential disaster. And, and that's the one thing, like ultimately it's going to come down to the quarterbacks, right? As it always does. Yeah. Um, and, and if you get a bad quarterback game from Jimmy Garoppolo, it's going to be tough for them to overcome it because they're not necessarily like, supremely talented at every other spot compared to the Vikings. I do think the the other secret weapon for the Niners in this game is going to be the running game, and it's going to be those RPOs. Because I do think that they can simplify the reads for Jimmy on some throws that he makes really, really well uh, and get Debo Samuel the ball in space on RPOs. And, and I do think those stress out the, the defenses, especially a defense that's going to try to play in cover four. And, and, and I think that that run game is going to be good, especially if they get it going early. Um, so this isn't going to be a game where you, you know, you're going to 
ride the run game to victory, but I do think it's going to open up for those higher, uh, those higher kind of scoring or higher EPA shots down the field. Yeah. Um, with and and of course you've got the other side who's saying the same exact thing with Dalvin Cook. So. Yeah, I, there there are definitely some shots, like some opportunities for big plays in this game, right? If they if they're willing to take some shots, the 49ers willing to take some shots down the sideline more and attack those corners. I think there's, um, you know, with this run offense, it's it is kind of, I mean, they're they're kind of always a boomer bust type element to their to their run game, where because of the backs that they have and the speed element that they bring there, that it's always just like can we get enough good blocks up front to give this guy a crease? Right. And, and it's a big play waiting to happen there. So yeah, I think that that absolutely remains true um, against the Vikings. I do, I, I do expect the Vikings to have a good plan for the outside zone. Obviously it's something yeah. that they do. Um, you have a good defensive coordinator there. I, I would expect them to do kind of maybe a little bit of that six, one front and, and kind of try to cover up everybody on um, on the offensive line and kind of limit their ability to get those double teams and get up to the linebackers. Um, and it just makes it again, tougher because the more guys you have in there to try to block, you know, in the run game, just the, the it only takes one of those guys to screw totally. up to, to kind of wreck that play. And so you need at least good, you know, adequate blocks from everybody up front there, uh, or it can kind of go downhill. So when you put all of them in a one-on-one situation, kind of your odds go down a little bit for for doing that. So I would expect to see uh, a little bit of that. But yeah, as good as the Vikings defense has been, I, I do think you can hit some big plays on them for sure. Yeah. And I think they need to try to take advantage. It's going to be a fun chess match. It's going to be a fun game. Yeah, I think it, uh, schematically it's going to be a fun game to watch. Like it'll yeah. be a fun game to rewatch. Hopefully with a 49ers victory it's always a little bit better which uh, i expect a 49ers yeah. victory at this point and and you know if they do win the the question then becomes which team do you want to face do you want to face the packers or do you want to face the seattle seahawks man um i would say probably god that's it's tough i would say probably the seahawks honestly i don't know it's close maybe i either one i, I think there's there's like there's not such a large difference between the two. I think Seattle is a worse team overall, like up and down the roster. The whole of the roster, I think, is worse than Green Bay's. Um, I think their quarterback's obviously playing a lot better this year, um, at least though Rodgers, whenever, you know, he's capable of putting it together whenever, yeah. you know, that if you get a good Rodgers game, like that's just as good, if not better than a good, you know, Wilson, Wilson game. game. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's it's tough, but let's get by the first one first you know, I, I agree guess. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried about this one more than i would like to be so i am looking forward to hopefully an, a one more win so our our six-year hiatus uh from the playoffs doesn't one end done. after one game yeah well the one thing that will make it interesting on saturday because this is a saturday game uh is we will have some custom better rivals drinking game rules of course one of which will be whenever they mention that uh that kyle shanahan wanted kirk cousins you're gonna have to drink Ooh, just yeah. a sip though just yeah. a sip on well, that. all of it, yeah. you know, drink at your leisure. Don't sure. if you know if you want to take a shot every time a drinking rule game hits, fine. You enjoy. Don't, don't come to us the next day. That's you, all I'm saying. Uh, well, they'll be dead. So I don't know that they'll be able to do that. <laughs> I mean, um, but but we'll we'll have some custom rules. So be on the lookout. It'll be the same basic rules, and then we'll add some some kind of kickers for the playoffs. But uh, it'll be a fun game. I'm excited to watch it, and you can. Follow us to hear all of our musings kind of in the meantime. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Better Rivals. David, where can they follow you? Uh, that'll be at PFF underscore David. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, go Niners. <laughs>